Thank you so much for being here. This is Ashwini Prasad, your host of the Inclusive Storytelling Podcast. If you're liking these episodes, please leave a review, download, comment if you're on YouTube, and share these episodes. Feel free to connect with me at theinclusivescreenwriter.com or on Twitter and Instagram at The Inclusive Screenwriter. In addition to being an anti-racism and anti-oppression educator, I'm a screenwriter, self-published author, and of course a podcast host. So if I can make our media more inclusive with you, feel free to reach out. All right, let's jump into our episode. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Inclusive Storytelling Podcast. My name is Ashwini Prasad, and today we're going to speak about somebody very cool who my good friend here, Harris Hill, <clears throat> would like to see either a movie or a miniseries made about them. Harris, welcome to the Inclusive Storytelling Podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Hey, Ash. Thanks so much for having me on. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Harris, I do this with all my guests because I'm not going to be able to introduce my guests as well as they can. So tell the world about Harris Hill. Hey. So I'm a speaker, best-selling author, and an alignment coach. And I trained in NLP and timeline therapy nearly four years ago. And I help people to come into better, better alignment with themselves, whether that's like challenging their beliefs, healing from trauma, um and just basically helping people to have the life that they want but in a, like a spiritual mm-hmm. sense not just a transactional like some of the coaches that are big at the moment they're like yeah just just get loads of money then you'll be fine <laughs> <laughs> that has never been your calling in gosh the year and a half that we've known each other so no. Definitely. uh, I will say Harris is the real deal when it comes to really supporting people and moving people forward. So Harris, who have you chosen uh, for us to talk about today? So I was really excited that you messaged and asked this because I was talking about exactly this like (laughs) a week before you messaged me. And the person I'm talking about today is Dolores Cannon. She is one of the main people who brought past life regression to the West. And I don't know about you, Ash, but in a lot of my kind of learning about all of the things that cultures have lost as a, um, mm. as a consequence of kind of white supremacy and kind of fundamental Christian values, I think we've lost a lot of spiritual and inner knowledge. And uh, I feel like this is one of the things that's coming back yeah definitely definitely so how were you introduced to Dolores so I think it was during my time well I've been listening to audiobooks obsessively for about eight years now I've got through quite a lot of them <laughs> and I think one of her books was recommended to me because of the type of books that I listened to and I wasn't sure at first because it was a bit out there even for me and eventually I gave in when I was looking for a new book that wasn't to do with any self-development, I wanted a little bit of a break and to listen to a book that didn't hold any kind of consequence for me in my sort of, you know, like day-to-day life. And I thought, oh, it will be a bit of fun. And then it ended up absolutely like blowing my mind. Oh my Um, gosh. So I listened to, I think the first three books of hers I listened to was the first one was five lives remembered which was her first ever book but it didn't get published I think it didn't get published until she had plenty of other books already published Mm -hmm. but it was the first one she wrote 
And after that, I listened to Keepers of the Garden and also Jesus and the Essenes. Mm -hmm. And all of these have been really healing and spoken to my to my own experience. So it's been it's been really profound for me and for all of the people I know who are like into her work. It's quite amazing. Yeah. I love what you just said, you know, the erasure of different cultures or being able to put a hierarchy on different practices that has happened through colonization. And you're right, like hypnotherapy or these other ideas become, people will call it, and I mentioned said this off air with you, like it, it's a woo-woo. That's what people will say, it's woo-woo. Mm -hmm. But, you know, if you really dig into a lot of this, there's so much history behind it in this, in so many different cultures. And it's not the way that we see it in our media or the images that we see see there's a lot of practice behind it there's a lot of learning so I am so excited to dig deep into this into Dolores and into this particular subject because of that beautiful um, conversation piece and framing that we're going to be looking through that so I'm curious let's start with a little bit about Dolores and her life and then we can dig into what she was saying and how she's able to kind of bring back a lot of different parts of uh, what's uh, what's chosen to be forgotten, what's chosen to be erased from our cultures. So tell us a little bit about Dolores. I, have you were you able to ever meet her, or is this all coming from her books and this is uh, others? No, this is all books and stuff that I've learned from other fans of hers. So no, I never met her. She died in two thousand and fourteen, mm. but she had a very long and um, amazing career. So she started off as a the wife to um, her husband was in the military. So she often traveled around with him. I don't know like how much, but he, I think when he was stationed in the Philippines, he trained as a hypnotherapist mm. and we're talking like the sixties. And at the time, uh, hypnotherapy was only used to help people stop smoking or to lose weight. Mm. So it was never their intention to get into past life stuff. So they totally kind of stumbled into it. And so it, I think by the time they were actually practicing hypnotherapy, so he was, he was trained, I think, initially, and then he kind of brought it home to the family and uh, they would do these sessions together. And there was, um, I think this was when they were back in the US after he'd been trained, they had another military wife had asked for help with um, compulsive eating. So she wanted to have some hypno hypnotherapy to help her because it was having a really bad effect on her blood pressure and other um, health issues. And as a result of um, working with her, they eventually got to a point where her health was improved and then suddenly they accidentally regressed her. Mm. to a past life and that was the beginning of their their adventures I think a decade later or so her husband uh, Dolores husband was in an accident mm. and amazingly he survived it but I think it was like she had maybe not so many years left with him and then after he actually died is when she really took her hypnotherapy practice and past life regression work um and she took it full time and really like made it big wow 
Wow. So they kind of were practicing it. They ended up getting into past life regression outside of the more superficial ways hypnotherapy has been used, at least in the West. Then it went into, okay, wait, there's something here. So what happened in terms of uh, Dolores's um, journey into uh, getting more into hypnotherapy after her husband's death? I don't know how much she actually went into this in her books. But I think at one point she did say she really asked herself the question of what what she really wanted to do with her life. And there was only ever one answer. Mm. So the the hypnotherapy and past life regression became a really big thing. And she talked about she would travel miles often. And I think, you know, in the US, travel times, uh, you know, by car. Yeah, <laughs> can can be quite long going in between places in, yeah. in England. If it's longer than half an hour away, people like a bit reluctant. They will go. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so she ended up just doing it, and I think she she started to build a bit of a name for herself. People started recommending her, and you know, obviously, this is in the days before we all had internet and stuff like that. So it was word of mouth that I think she built her practice, and I think she got involved in hosting demonstrations where her clients would kind of be there kind of like not entertainment exactly but they would be there to kind of perform a past life regression in front of rooms full of people Mm, wow and when uh, tell me like a scenario was there something in the books that she detailed in how these past life regressions happened and the and definitely the reactions to the people who were regressed Yeah, so initially when she talked about having kind of stumbled into past life regression by accident, you know, she both she and her husband were extremely sceptical about the whole thing. And they were extremely careful not to suggest anything and to get answers. And often in like repeated uh, sessions with, you know, each client, they would try to trick them into saying something different or to kind of contradicting what they'd said in earlier sessions and that was never the case they were always very passionately um insistent that their answers were were consistent and that they were sticking 100% to stories and she seemed to have a very analytical and quite a skeptical approach throughout her entire sort of working life doing this throughout her career and I, her books are basically transcribed from all of the tapes because she would record the tapes. She would record the audio of all of her sessions and then compile it afterwards. So it's a huge amount of data, even from a scientific point of view. Mm-hmm. It was a huge amount of data. And amazingly, her, her clients were always very consistent about what they were saying. And I think she said quite a few times that one of the things that tipped her off to the fact that this was probably true is that for many people, when they were regressed into lives that were quite a long time ago, a lot of the time they would just be living very mundane lives when not a lot was happening. And, Mm -hmm. you know, so she said there were chances for all of her clients to embellish what they were doing in Mm -hmm. these past lives. And they didn't. Mm. Right. They were just kind of talking about what we would expect maybe a farm life to be two, three hundred years ago. 
Yeah. That is so fascinating. And I love that she was a scientist as well. You know, she was really trying to bring in data and um, make sense of this um, sort of newer phenomena, at least uh, new phenomena to North America. But I'm sure there's uh, so much more that maybe you can tell me in regards to hypnotherapy and where it is in other parts of our world. Because I'm not familiar. I've only really seen hypnotherapy from the more North American lens, but I'm interested if Dolores goes into the history of hypnotherapy and it being outside, you know, instead of what we kind of see here or what media tells us it's supposed to look like. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know absolutely loads about hypnotherapy. My own practice is NLP and timeline therapy. And we do touch on hypnotherapy a little bit in our training, but it's not in any way a core of what I do uh, or what I'm trained in. It is very much the case, I think, historically that hypnotherapy at the beginning, like you say, was used for these very, like, much more superficial things. Mm -hmm. Interestingly, like over here, I think alternative practitioners are becoming a little bit more respected. And I know that for me, even when I trained in my NLP and timeline therapy, that was only in 2018. Mm -hmm. And the data and the attitude that has come out and or changed even in the four years since I trained again has has improved a lot yeah yeah I'm curious you, you're making me think about um the history of hypnotherapy like where it came from outside of North America who's practiced it historically and why and how because you know the way that it comes out like in media, right? It's always like this regression, it's very woo woo, or it's part of a thriller or horror versus no, there's, it's not woo woo. There's actually some, a lot of basis for it. And there's a, a history to it. You know, somebody's written many books about it and was a scientist like that. That's new to me. I've never heard of that. Yeah. And so it's nice to hear about Dolores. Yeah. Well, I mean, from the, the perspective of like hypnotherapy and how much it's respected or not I interviewed I think it was last year or the year before a the Harley Street hypnotist Adam Cox and he trained in hypnotherapy I think in his 20s and he's now I think he's maybe 40 or a little bit older than that now mm -hmm. um you know so I think hypnotherapy in terms of alternative therapies has definitely been one of the most respected out of all of everything that's considered considered alternative interestingly like over here we have a famous hypnotherapist who's been on or hypnotist I should say mm -hmm. who's been on tv a lot and had many um series on tv and it's extremely sensationalizing he's getting them to do all sorts of strange things right but generally speaking you wouldn't use hypnotherapy for anything like that you wouldn't get people to like cluck yeah. like a chicken or <laughs> yeah yeah exactly and I'm sure Dolores was not doing that when she was no. doing her studies and working with her folks no you're absolutely right because I have you know done a couple of things in hypnotherapy so my first was it was in one of my psychology college classes and I had this amazing professor he was always showing us different ways of looking and learning at life absolutely phenomenal professor 
and he actually brought in a hypnotherapist uh, for us to to meet and talk to uh, for one of our lectures one time. And I remember it was kind of in this bigger hall, and it was absolutely fascinating. And uh, I I just can't now I don't even recall either his name. It's been so long, but I remember the man was uh, he was very approachable and he was really great and. He was talking about the work that he'd done and, and he actually hypnotized us. And what he did is that he just had us relax. And I remember when he said, you know, now open your eyes and take a breath. Like the whole room just went like, wow, like I've been hypnotized. Again, nothing sensational, (laughs) nothing big. It was just uh, like almost like a relaxation exercise uh, versus fast forward about maybe about 10, 15 years later, go to a comedy show and there was a hypnotist, right? Quote unquote. And you're right. What he was doing is that he was like, let me hypnotize you. And he brought people up to the stage and a friend of mine actually went up there. And what he was doing was that he was quote unquote hypnotizing him, but then he would pull the mic away and he would say, cluck, cluck, a chicken, walk around, you know? And so it was, it was a facade. And uh, my friend said later that he was being very, very inappropriate and dirty. Like he told her to take her, her top off, you know, things like, yeah, that type of nonsense. So talk about sensationalism versus the real work that can happen and what, how people use these terms that really can be disrespectful of the actual work and how this has been used in different cultures. And now I'm going to go and research after this, the use of hypnotherapy outside of North America. Mm. So I appreciate you doing that. So, so was there any, as you started reading about Dolores Cannon, was there any story or was there any practice that led you to not be one and done with her books that you were like, I am fascinated about this work and this woman. I want to read more. Mm. So her first book that I listened to was about her very first client that she regressed and it's called five lives remembered and that's the book I mentioned earlier that didn't get published for years and years and during that it was quite a you know it was a regular it was this lady was a a regular lady and she got regressed to five different past lives Mm. and I think just the concept in itself and the fact that there were points where she was regressing this woman to points in her soul's history in between lives as well Mm. and for me I really loved this because I've always believed in an afterlife even though I've been surrounded by so many (laughs) skeptics and to me it seems logical that you would continue to exist because nothing is ever created or destroyed it just changes right Mm -hmm. and that's the way I feel about it but So I started off with that and I think that was quite a gentle start, but I wasn't prepared for the kind of mind blowing, life altering type stuff that was to come. (laughs) Right. So the the next, I, I can't remember which one I listened to next, but there was Keepers of the Garden. And this was a really interesting story. And this, after I listened to this audio book, I think for two weeks afterwards, I I was like not freaking out exactly. But I was definitely looking at life in a completely different way. Mm. And Keepers of the Garden is all about this uh, client that she accidentally got. So the story is that she was meant to be traveling quite far to see this client. And when she arrived, she found, and this was in the the 80s, when she arrived to this client's house, 
she found that the client had gone she'd had to be she'd been called away um for work Mm. but she didn't want Dolores to have wasted a journey so she got a friend who lived in his parents garage or something and he he fixed radios and tvs and stuff and she got um she sort of said to him oh would you take the appointment on my behalf so that she you know Dolores (laughs) hasn't had a wasted journey yeah and Dolores didn't think much of this guy or that you know he would really have any kind of um anything interesting to add but so she took the appointment and in in a short amount of time of working with this guy she regressed him and only to find out that this was his first life on earth oh well that's interesting yeah so I mean I'm quite open-minded I'll listen to something and and you know I'm (laughs) quite happy to hold something in my consideration for a while without the need to judge it but having listened to so much of this I got to a point where I was like yeah like a lot of the things that are being said really it resonated a little bit mm-hmm. and I I didn't tell anybody what like when people were like oh what what audiobook are you listening to at the moment I was like oh nothing <laughs> <laughs> and everybody's looking at you weird because it's like no Harris always has listening <laughs> so I was like this this is properly weird this is properly weird but the, the thing is, is that, first of all, the way that she conducts her regressions in the first place were extremely kind of well done. Mm-hmm. All of the all of what you're listening to in the book is off of tapes that she's recorded. Mm. And I assume that her daughter, who I think has carried on her legacy a little bit, uh, uh, is probably still in possession of. And not to mention that Dolores is not the only one nowadays into past life regression. And in fact, as we've as we've um, progressed with things like social media and the internet and people have been able to record like normal everyday people have been able to record their experiences and their children's experiences there's now actually a huge amount of data to support that this that reincarnation is real Mm -hmm. and obviously in other cultures reincarnation is is part of other religions and other ways of being but in the west anything that's outside of the material and the measurable is considered laughable. Right. So, you know, the more I've looked into this and the more more things I've seen about this, there, there are scientists out there who've gone to talk to children, particularly who are having past life memories. And it's typically children under, under the age of seven. They've gone to talk to these kids with an effort to kind of debunk it and sort of say, oh, this is why you're having these memories. But in fact, there have been now so many cases where children's memories, past life memories have been verified. Mm. And a lot of these scientists who've gone out to kind of debunk it have become converts because the data would suggest <laughs> that it is it is real. So, so that was the first one. And I think as well, that's the first one that blew my mind. And I think as well, but that Keepers of the Garden book has also given me, I'm a big picture person. I like big picture stuff. And I think it's given me another perspective to look at the world and look at what we're going through as, as, a, as a you know race of beings and all of these other things. Yeah. And it's been ultimately helpful. And the thing is with, with NLP, hypnotherapy or anything else, ultimately, if you have beliefs that are helping you to 
have a good life, to be happy and to be functional, that's more important than whether the belief is accurate or not. Mm-hmm. And you're blowing my mind right now with the two big, I mean, so many things, but the two biggest things is this idea of in between lives and that somebody is here for their first time. Like that's just blowing my mind because I grew up with Hinduism and, you know, this the simplification of like the East versus the West religions. And one kind of staple that people sometimes say is that the Eastern religions focus in on the uh, the incarnate reincarnation and what that looks like and so uh at least from the hinduism that i've been uh, taught it was about you kind of are put in this world and then you uh, each lifetime you're trying to get out of it you're trying to get out and so you are reincarnated based on your deeds and if you're reincarnated like as an animal you have to kind of go up this animal hierarchy <laughs> and the human is the highest and so you want to live a good and pious life so that you can be in this you know what the west or the christians would call a a heaven and you can kind of stay there and hang out there permanently so it's interesting uh, now i'm gonna also be like okay what does it mean to uh you know thank you to dolores what does it mean to uh, have in between lives or <laughs> to have lives that um maybe this is our first incarnation on on earth like that is amazing and also what you're saying is uh, exactly right, because I found this just being a South Asian Indian living in this world is the contrast of beliefs about like something like reincarnation and how to bring that those memories up. Uh, it, it seems like it ends up being something on like unsolved mysteries and it has this like eerie uh, song behind it uh, versus like something that you're saying, right? Is if you actually look into it, it's an alternative to maybe not shy away from or laugh mm. at something to think about and it seems like Dolores has given us that sort of gift to the world in her many books and her many sessions which she recorded that could give us a really great perspective in terms of the world and also what people have been practicing for you know centuries I'm sure. Yeah definitely and I I think that humans can have particularly in the west can have a very big opinion of themselves. And what I liked about Keepers of the Garden was that it really brought home this idea that we as a a race of beings are still really in our infancy. Mm. I think particularly where science and technology is, is involved, we can feel, particularly because, you know, not having technology the way that we have it now, that changes within living memory of quite a lot of people. Mm -hmm. So to us, it kind of seems like there's been this huge advance. Mm -hmm. But what Keepers of the Garden did is it brought this concept of highly evolved beings and cultures outside of Earth um, into the perspective. So whether you believe it or not, I think the, the kind of adventure that she goes on in that book with that client really brings I think it brings a bit of perspective and a bit of humility regardless of whether you believe it or not and the attitude to empathy to treating people and nature and the earth in a far more harmonious way I think to me was some people might describe it as idealistic but you know you've got to aim for something 
<laughs> there we go. And I love what you're saying in regards to a different perspective, a different way of being, which I do agree. I think uh, it's always kind of been there, but now with social media, we're able to communicate that to so many different people, so many audiences, and there's a space for, for all of us to kind of think and, and think about these terms. For me, what's really big with Dolores's work is her understanding and kind of bringing this work of especially the past life regressions it's outside of what have been norm quote unquote in in her time when she was doing this work so really being yeah. able to bring that to the forefront and also uh, leaving her legacy with her books and her daughter yeah definitely i mean i think for any person to be a little bit ahead of their time or their culture or even their family is a difficult thing to do so i i massively respect that that brings me on to the other book that i was going to talk about of hers which was jesus and the essenes and in fact i, I yeah i think this must have been the last of her books that i listened to and it took me quite some months to build up the courage to listen to it and I think being a non-binary person with you know mixed ancestry and all of these things um, and having grown up uh, in the Church of England the whole concept of Jesus and Christianity has a lot of it packs a lot of emotions for me so but I really wanted to find out what this book said and if I vibed with it at all, and it took a lot of courage to listen to that one. And actually what I heard in the end was so reassuring and so on my wavelength that it was actually a really healing experience for me. Mm. And so the book is told from the viewpoint of a man who lived in the Essenic community. Okay, what is Essenic? I'm not familiar. Love so the Essenes were a kind of a, a sect um i think they they practiced judaism but they were it was very different they had um access to a lot of old knowledge and old technology there was even in there in fact this this absolutely blew my mind but so sorry the the book character the person that the, the personality that they regressed to was a teacher in this community and taught Jesus and his cousin, supposedly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And they, they asked him about a lamp that he was holding and he said, oh, I don't know how it works. And mm. they're like, what do you mean? Is it not a flame? And he said, no, it's not a flame. Mm. And so basically what he was describing kind of sounded like a battery powered light. Oh, and after she had gone through this regression with this particular client, um, I believe that they did actually find in an excavation something that matched the description of this lamp. Wow. There we go. <laughs> yeah. But it was amazing. Like, you know, in their community, according to this book, you know, men and women were viewed as equal. They had very progressive and very kind of like wholesome ideas about things you know, the women taught as much as the men. They also had a lot of ideas about energy and, and there was a lot of similarities between their practices and beliefs at the time compared to a lot of the new age stuff that I feel mm -hmm. can mm -hmm. be in some respects, a bit of a, a salve for the sort of religious 
trauma that's gone on throughout lots of different communities right right and it sounds like it was very like you said healing for you because it gave you that perspective and gosh how reassuring would it be to you know be like huh maybe there was a society on earth <laughs> where people were actually equal and there were these uh, interesting um, ways of, of being in society that differ from today mm. so you make me think about and um, some of the Vedic texts, uh, Ve uh, Vedic texts being the um, the structure of Hinduism as we know it, and that's a whole podcast in itself. What is Hinduism? Um, but there's interesting. You mentioned that light because in the Vedas they talk about uh, vimanas, which are these like big, huge, uh, uh, basically space and and uh, um, airplanes but they are like um in this uh, in the steel sort of cage and then they kind of lift off and it's like okay who so many centuries ago was coming up with these thoughts about this type of structure so it just always kind of gives me pause and i know every time i look at a picture of a pyramid or anything that was built i'm like gosh who came up with this who built this this is just mind-blowing so i you know i i I am very much interested in this, and I, I I like what we're what we're talking about in regards to Dolores's work and what she was trying to do, and definitely being able to appreciate and understand different cultures and how they've been using this work uh, for far longer than even North America has been established or colonized. So I, I I think Dolores is a great gateway for people, and my hope would be that if Dolores is made, I think this would be a great movie that Hollywood wouldn't mess it up. Do not sensationalize it. You know, just talk about it almost like you would uh, a documentary about somebody's life and the impact that they've had in regards to bringing this knowledge and what people are doing with it today and how it's really aligning with a lot of how I see the world moving towards, uh, at least in my social media and my groups, a lot of uh, what people used to call new age is now that, like you said, um, the empathy, the connecting with people, realizing what we're doing with the earth and that it is sacred and we're sacred and how we are connected. Uh, that's that I think that is huge and something that should never, ever be lost. So I really appreciate Dolores and all, definitely her diligence and all her work that she did. A hundred percent. It's amazing. And yeah, I it's funny, actually, I was um, interviewing somebody, uh, Jeffrey Marsh, last year, and they said to me, what, you know, where do you get your spiritual thing? Because you seem to have like a strong thing going on and like lots of strong beliefs and like a real, like, what is it? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. So I feel like over the years, I've really taken, I've just explored this this entire thing of like the soul, empathy, connectedness, intuition, mm -hmm. all of these different things. And then I just find what sticks is often, it's not just my experience. There are so many, like thousands of people out there that I connect with on social media and in real life um, who are all having very similar, if not the same experiences. 
Right. I know you and I do. I feel like every time I connect with you, it's like, oh, really? You're going through that too? And it's a two, three hour long conversation for us. <laughs> so uh, agreed, agreed. And so Dolores Cannon, uh, fascinated. I can't wait to research her more. And yeah, I could definitely see this. Like I said, I feel like this would be a really great movie. Uh, and it would be meaningful to a lot of people uh, with her work and what she was really trying to build in regards to her legacy. So if you had to pitch this, what would you, uh, what would your pitch be to make a movie uh, or even if you choose to a miniseries about Dolores? Yeah, I think a movie would be amazing. And I think it would be, I don't know that you could kind of capture the depth and the variety of stories that she kind of uncovered throughout her lifetime and her career. Um, even if you did it as a series, I think it could be really long. But <laughs> I really, I really envisage a biopic that kind of visits her at different in, during de different decades of her life and mm -hmm. sort of the big stuff and really looking at her own reaction to it in a way to kind of bring the audience along with the the discovery and the attitude and the 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 dawning like gradual realization that this is a real thing and this isn't just happening to one or two people it, it's it's hundreds you know she worked with hundreds of people in her lifetime yeah and it's so interesting when you mention these words like empathy and intuition because so many artists say that that's their you know they're feeling their flow whatever that kind of looks like for them so why wouldn't hollywood embrace something like this in regards to this beautiful story that dolores has left us so that makes so much sense and for our listeners you might have noticed harris was noting uh different people so harris had a podcast as well and had many different people come on that were amazing and fantastic and were talking a lot about in the past your advocacy work and spirituality and your journey in uh into these different spaces so that's what i want to make sure our listeners know that you were re referencing your podcast Thanks. and so yeah of course so harris thank you for sharing a little bit about dolores i urge people to take a look at this fascinating woman so many books such a scholar such a scientist and so it's always fascinating when I kind of read this and, and the power that we could have in regards to other ways of thinking for healing mm. and telling that story and making different people household names. And even if you don't connect with Dolores, maybe you're connecting with what she offered or somebody else that's doing similar work that could really bring this collective healing for us. And I'm a firm believer that media is one that can provide healing, can also provide trauma, but let's focus on that healing. And I think Dolores would be a cool, like you said, biopic uh, in regards to that journey. And it sounds like she had a life led with a lot of conflict that would make for a great story. Definitely, definitely. Amazing. Thank you so much, Harris, for introducing us to Dolores Cannon. How can our listeners get a hold of you and find out more about you? So I'm on all of the um, social media platforms. <laughs> you can find me on Instagram at Mux Harris Hill. That's MX Harris Hill. Uh, I'm also on TikTok. I make videos on there every day and all about alignment, emotional well-being, trauma recovery, uh, all of that kind of thing. And I have a website, which is mooksharrishill.com. 
Awesome. Thank you so much, my friend. Everybody be sure to follow Harris and look up Dolores and let's figure out a way to get Dolores and uh, her story into our media. All right. Thank you so much, my friend. Thank appreciate you being here. Thanks, Ash. Always a pleasure. Thanks again for being here. And again, if you're liking these episodes, feel free to leave a review, download, comment, and share. And always remember, if I can support you in making our media more inclusive, feel free to reach out. I'm a screenwriter, podcast host, and an author. And I'm at theinclusivescreenwriter.com or the Inclusive Screenwriter on Twitter and Instagram. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.